Welcome to Cool Breeze Over the Mountain, the podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss each film starring Keanu Reeves. My name is Andrew Gormley, and I'm one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode by my co-hosts. She wants spaghetti because the other man gave her spaghetti. Whitney Nelson. That's true. Any man that gives me spaghetti, I demand it of all other men. (laughs) It's crazy. It's crazy. And I have a question. What if she came on this podcast to be on this podcast so the next podcast can be a podcast? Lindsay Nelson. <laughs> That's me, just an infinity chain of podcasts. Just an Ouroboros of podcasts, just <laughs> into infinity. Yeah. I want to kick this off in a slightly different way um, by just asking how both of you are. We took last week off. I think we didn't even have to discuss taking last week off, Mm -hmm. given everything that's been happening, Mm -hmm. you know, namely the death of George Floyd and the ensuing protests. How have both of you been throughout all of this? I know it seems like (laughs) we have a crisis (laughs) stacked on a crisis stacked on a crisis stacked on a crisis. So how are you holding up? Uh, Well... (laughs) I mean, 2020 is definitely coming at us with both barrels. Yeah, absolutely. Um, For sure. Um, I think, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's terrible, the deaths of, like, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Uh, I do, and, you know, all of the... Numerous, Violence to protesters. And, I mean, all of the people... uh, I, I do think it is hopeful and good. I mean, because... This needs to stop happening, Mm -hmm. and until we address it on a systematic level, it won't. And I think we're finally getting to a point where people are talking about the structural racism built into this country in a way that's getting out of, you know, the smaller groups that it was in before on, like, a large scale. That we needed to get to a point where we discuss things like the police forces origins come out of, like, slave patrols and stuff. So you have to really get into the... You know, and it is hopeful to see that the protests are just getting bigger. They're not dying out. Exactly. They're just, you know, continuing on. And how many people are at them that it is not just the black community who has for ages been trying to get people to listen to them. And a bunch of the rest of us acknowledging that this is not their problem to fix. It's our problem to fix. We have to do the work to dismantle structural racism in this country. So... It's a lot and it's stressful, but I'm also glad that it's happening, you know. Well said, well said. Mm-hmm. It is well said. And it's far more um, global a view than my answer was going to be because my answer is all about <laughs> me and I'm not doing so hot. Uh, again, 2020 coming at us with both barrels, I think that everything that's happening is important for one reason or another um pandemic just you know all of the black lives matter stuff and the defunding the police stuff which i'm 100% for um but i also this whole time have moved house twice and mm. got fired because they downsized my department and i also have it was april 1st that i was let go And I, as of recording this, still do not have unemployment coming in. So for me, I'm a little bit worse for wear. And it's starting to show up both physically and mentally for me. I'm kind of falling apart. I'm doing the best that I can to, like, stay busy and uh, not tax myself too much. Mm -hmm. 
But for me, it is getting harder and harder uh, to just, even for just day-to-day normal problems. So some of these bigger life crisis, I want to get involved. I want to help out. I want to donate to somebody. I don't really have the means right now, either fiscally or emotionally, to really do anything but but just be just exist right now. Just exist, so, yeah. <laughs> just I'm maintain. in I'm in the camp of if I made it through the day, it was a good day. It's important to obviously like self-care, right? Mm-hmm. Number one. You can't mm-hmm. live in <laughs> you cannot live in pain twenty four seven and then be empathetic of of everything else that is going on as well. Yeah. So and, and when I can when I cannot think of everything that's an issue right now, I'm actually in fairly good spirits because this is the most time off I've ever had since I was 16 and started uh, working for the first <laughs> time. So like on a moment to moment basis, I'm actually doing okay, but like on an overall basis, I can't I have anxiety. I can't stop the spiraling thoughts and right now the spiraling thoughts are like more serious than they've ever been. So, you know, it it comes and it goes. But overall, I am surviving, which is great. Yeah, I hope. I think it seems, and I I don't, you know, I don't want to minimize. I hope that at least the, when the one problem of the unemployment gets solved. I mean, it's certainly going to help a lot of other stuff. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that'll cascade and help, you know, improve things. It'll bring everything up quite a bit, so... Assuming I can yeah. get some <laughs> kind of income for all the social services I have paid into and should be yeah. getting, I think <laughs> I'll I'll be able to relax a little bit about the other stuff and focus more on the stuff that I care about, like protests and bail funds and that sort of stuff, which right yeah. now I'm just like, I can't even think about that because I can't even think about, you know, buying groceries next week. Yeah. Yeah. I do wish I could participate in protests more. I live with two immunocompromised people. So I feel like it's just not fair to, you know, expose them to that. I take like full Silkwood showers when I get home from work now and stuff to try and not wow. spread it to them. Interesting so. that you would say Silkwood showers. Because <laughs> I would immediately go to, to um, Gattaca. If I was going to talk about like a really thorough shower, Gattaca would be my first pull. <laughs> Well, Silkwood is just decontamination connotation, mm-hmm. whereas Gattaca is just, I don't want to shed any DNA anywhere, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. We, all, so. we all have How are our you different doing, references Andrew? for, for <laughs> deep scrub yeah. showers. But yes, Andrew, are you taking any Gattaca showers? <laughs> Every one of my showers is a Gattaca shower and has been. No. Ooh, uh, <laughs> that, that speaks to something deep and psychological with you, Andrew. <laughs> Um, so I, um, I, how do I phrase this? Right. I've been, I've been listening. I've been doing my best to learn and to be a a good ally. Uh, I think it go, it should go without saying to at least the people that are listening to this show, right? Uh, black lives matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Full stop. Absolutely. If you don't. So I would even go so far as to say, if you disagree with that and you don't feel like you your mind can be changed, then I like I don't know if you are compatible with this podcast, really. Like I, I would rather you not participate with us. Hundred percent. I I as as you know, another core member of the team say 
this is not going to change, and we are not going to not talk about it again in the future. Yeah. And if your opinion is also not likely to change, you may just want to move along. I'm sure that Joe Rogan is waiting with open arms. <laughs> <laughs> I love you went there. Uh, yeah. I the the thing that I kept thinking about while you know while all this is going on and we've I, you know I had people reach out on Twitter and ask if we were going to do something last week and I, I didn't even really want to answer cuz I was focused on the the matter at hand as it were mm-hmm. and I think to the way that we that I sign off every show and the first part of that is like be excellent to each other right so right it's a core tenet of what we believe yes Keanu has a thousand memorable lines, right? But we picked that one because that that resonates with me as a person, with everyone that we have on. Like, <laughs> be excellent to each other. And if you if you don't believe that Black Lives Matter, I, you do not believe in being excellent to everybody. Like those two, you can't reconcile yeah, that. Hundred percent. And I do want to just say really quickly, I want Andrew to finish his thoughts on how he's doing. But I do just want to say, if you like me, are going through a lot of stuff, both in mental health and in employment and in, you know, living with immunocompromised people like Lindsay or whatever, and you feel like there's nothing that you can do, I just want to real quick get in here. It died out. Uh, It was a really big deal when Trump got elected, uh, but it died out somewhat. And I want to remind people that you can text 50409. You can just text the word resist. And ResistBot will literally send back like a numerical list of options that you can be upset about. And you choose the number and it could be, for example, defunding police or racial injustice or whatever. It will give you what's the hot topics right now. And then you push that number, you text back like number two. And then it'll say, who do you want me to deliver this to? And it will do everything. It will send a, like, form letter with your information and your, um, like, zip code so they know who, what voting area you're in and everything. It will automatically fill out a letter to from everyone from your state legislator to the president of the United States. So if you wow. don't have a lot of spoons and you don't have any money and you don't have the time to like go through and figure out who your state legislators are or whatever, you can text resistbot and it literally in less than 2 minutes you can have faxed or mailed all of your state representation and higher. Um, it does it all for you. It doesn't cost you to mail a letter or to send a fax if they can't get through on a fax line because it's overwhelmed with people sending stuff in. It keeps trying. It remembers your letter and it doesn't just let it go nowhere. Um, so I have been struggling a lot with what I can and cannot do because I just don't have a lot of oomph in me right now. Use ResistBot. You can text from your phone. You don't have to deal with a person. There's no questions that are hard to answer. And in literally less than 120 seconds, you can have mailed, like, your governor about this. (laughs) That's awesome. Yes, do that. There's a lot of other ways that you can help, but they've all been shared in a lot of places, and I haven't seen much uh, in people talking about ResistBot. So use it, because it's so easy, and it's so non-confrontational, but it is making a big impact in getting letters sent to the people who need to see them. I have not actually done that. So I will do that also. It's like, a, yeah. you know, 
It's it's an easy thing. It'll right? li- it's, literally it's... give you a multiple choice of what are you mad about right now? And you could go through the whole list if you want. <laughs> yeah. Also, voting by mail is really important because coronavirus is still going to be bad or worse in the fall. Yeah. And text your congressperson about that because we need to make voting more accessible uh, widespread voter suppression is part of how we got where we are right now. So, and if you guys heard about what happened in Atlanta, um, you know, last week when you listen to this, unless you're listening to it live, <laughs> you know, they people were waiting in line for 12 hours to vote. Yeah. Whereas in like rural, mostly white areas of Georgia, the average was 45 minutes, I think. So. Yeah. Voting, I voted by mail in Pennsylvania just a week or two ago, I think it was. And mm-hmm. it was it was awesome. Like, literally, I got an email confirmation that it was received and all that. I was like, this is how we should do it. <laughs> like, just do, let's just it do is. this. I couldn't vote by mail. Um, was for it a, not as the move and address yes, and stuff like that? Yes, it was the move. That. And, and yeah. also, I don't have a state ID. I only have a passport. And to sign up online or in their form for like a mail-in ballot, you have to have a driver's license or a Driver, state ID. Yeah, when you put that and in. And yeah. so I can get one and I will definitely have one by the time voting comes around in November. But unfortunately, this most recent one in Pennsylvania, the, the primary stuff, um, I did not get to vote in. So text about that, that too. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. As most uh, other as most other people have done in the links in the show notes and everything like that, I'm going to share out a couple of resources that I found incredibly helpful. June Justice, I'm sure, hopefully, you've heard of that. Bitly.com slash or bit Bitly slash June Justice uh, to learn more about the systems in place. You know about Black history, about Black culture, that sort of thing. It could be as little as ten minutes or thirty minutes, depending on how much time you have to devote to it. Uh, it's been pretty eye-opening for me so far. Sometimes it's a podcast to watch. Sometimes it's a video. Sometimes it's reading. But it, it mixes it up. It's been incredibly insightful and helpful for me. So I will share that out, and hopefully someone else gets something out of that as well. I'm glad that we got that out of the way, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure y'all were both as good as you can be. Yeah. That we established where we are on this show. Yeah. <laughs> now we can move forward (laughs) thank you the chat is also being incredibly sweet and supportive also zoe jody get notice the space i put between your names i wanted to give you each the props that you deserve individual credit that you both deserve yeah yeah rather than being one communal hive mind (laughs) unit chat The fan, singular, mm-hmm. not the <laughs> the listener. Uh, so, back on track here. Let's let's get into this in earnest. Um, up top, as always, I want to mention you find the website at coolbreezepod.com. Email us coolbreezepod at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at coolbreezepod. When I said earlier today that we're going live tonight with the Bad Batch, so many people responded with hearts and liked the post and all this good stuff. So that was nice to, you know, get that. <laughs> I was like, all right, there's a little endorphin rush. That feels good. Yeah. Uh, if, you're, <laughs> if you're watching live on Periscope or Twitch, like many people uh, do, you can chime in with your two cents. We'll read your comments aloud, agree, debate you. 
you. Uh, I'm very curious where this movie falls for everyone here and on the chat. It's going to be fun, <laughs> I think. And then finally, if you want to be excellent to us, please share the show with your friends, rate and review us on iTunes, bring more folks into the fray. That is the, that's a great gift you can give us. And even though we may be nearing the end of the list for Keanu, we are talking about future, future ideas. So this does not necessarily end in like 10 episodes or however long we've got. Yes, it's very, it's, it's super close, but I, Join I think. Join the community now so you get in on the ground floor <laughs> when we switch to the next celebrity oof. You know what we're going to do is really. How do you say that? Oof. <laughs> I can't. That was a nice, whatever that sound was. Very interesting. <laughs> oof. We'll do what you always do. We're at the end. Or not the end. As long as Keanu acts, we will continue to do. Yes. There will be new be cool as long as there's new movies. But. Yeah. But when we get to the end of the current catalog, we will obviously post a trailer for where to go find the next thing that we're up to. So, and you'll, you know, it'll be great. It'll be great. Mm-hmm. So, Lindsay. Well, before we get into what we're talking about today. Oh. <laughs> not to delay it even more because we're like 20 minutes in and still have not talked about the movie. But <laughs> Jody just did mention in the chat some Keanu's. news. Oh, Keanu's. I don't the, have the uh, stinger for the sound. Uh, I don't even know what it what sound we used before. It's been so long since we've u- done Keanu's. It was but, the... Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just imagine that sound in your mind or replay Andrew doing it just now. Uh, Bill and Ted 3 trailer Oh. has come oh. out since the last time we recorded. Oh, my. And boy, oh boy, did I think it was a good trailer. I'm very excited for all of it. It looks like it has a similar vibe that people loved, but I do think they've updated it. I don't think that it's all going to be fan service. Mm-hmm. I love the general premise of we haven't written the song that saves the world. Let's go into the future and steal the song that saves the world from ourselves because that's uh-huh. so Bill and Ted. <laughs> I have talked about this before, but I'm so wildly excited about the casting of both Bill and Ted's daughters. Uh, yes. I think that they could not have done better with the casting of Bill and Ted's daughters. So seeing them be some part of the movie is very exciting. I the <laughs> When they get to prison or wherever they are, oh and they're all God. like <laughs> tatted up. up and jacked <laughs> as hell... It's hilarious. They did a very good job with that makeup because it took a second to even recognize, but it definitely is Alex and Keanu in those suits. Yeah. The second they started emoting, you could see it, and it's hysterical. (laughs) I also love the idea of knowing, I think it's very poignant, the idea of knowing that you're fated to save the universe and having that stifle you from being able to save the universe is i think so incredibly human and genuine um i think that that's a very real reaction to being told when you're a teenager or young 20 something that you are going to save the world with one great song that will unite everybody and then being like well now i'm 45 and nothing happened (laughs) right when do i write it (laughs) when yeah 
It's yeah, that that is too relatable. It is. <laughs> I mean, anyone who was told that they were an above average intelligence child knows exactly what that feels like. Yeah, that cuts uh, deep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anytime that you were like in AP classes or you were like anything like that where you were known as a smart child. And now you're like, well, I can't do anything with the rest of my life because I'm afraid of not being smart anymore. It's such a real human experience. And I think that making such a silly movie on such a real base human experience is like a really good way to go about it. To bring some gravitas to what is just also dumb humor. And so... (laughs) I said this before and I'll say it again. I think it's going to be good. It is more than cautious optimism for me. I think they're going to do it well. Yeah. I think they've had the time and the the ability to reflect and the ability to really work out a new script to do this exactly the right way. Yeah, I've been following uh, Ed Solomon on Twitter. He's He was one of the original writers. I think that it was co-written. Uh, but he's again one, if not the another co-writer this time around, and it seems like you know politically, uh, him and I are in simpatico. You know, like I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I like everything this guy's all about. So I just have a feeling like that him as a person putting the pen to page. I'm like, I, I'm probably gonna really like what what he comes up with. I have to say that I love the brands. And the the people, the notable people who are coming out of the woodwork to vouch political opinions that they have not before. I am obsessed with it. I think that, I mean, obviously Ben and Jerry's has always, like every year oh, on 420, so Ben and Jerry's releases a thing about everyone who's in jail for marijuana possession needs to be let out immediately. Yeah, Every 420, they've done that for as long as I can remember. Obviously, they've always been politically very socialist um but there's been so many other people who are like yorkshire tea is a british tea company they make just like a regular ass (laughs) grocery store breakfast tea but it's good and someone said that they were chuffed that yorkshire tea hasn't said anything about black lives matter and yorkshire tea responded stop drinking our tea right now we were pausing to reflect and see what we should say but black lives matter yeah, And then someone responded to that saying, now what do I have to do? Drink PG tips, which is another British common tea. And PG <laughs> tips was like, don't drink our tea either. It's like people you would never <laughs> expect. Like no one expects PG tips or Yorkshire tea to be like, stop drinking our tea racists. But it's amazing. Yeah. It's great. And that's part of what I was talking about earlier of it finally reaching like a critical mass in culture where... PG tips is saying uh, <laughs> right. Black Lives Matter. Fuck off! Like, yeah, babynames.com. If you, if oh my gosh, you the babynames.com. Oh my god, babynames.com killed me. Oh, that's so for, amazing. For those of you that didn't hear about it, babynames.com, which is literally just a name generator site that just yeah. lists potential well, it's like baby a name names. index. Yeah, yeah. They put a big, huge black square on the front of their page and said each one of these names was a baby was somebody's baby yeah they listed from emmett till all the way through to george floyd yes and it was years of names of black people who have died unjustly and it's like you don't expect that kind of stuff from babynames.com a name (laughs) index site yeah 
Yeah. Um, but Ravelry, I love the knitting I'm group. with you. I love that. Ravelry just booted everyone. Like, Ravelry is literally just for sharing, like, um, patterns for knitting. Yeah. And they came out so staunchly Black Lives Matter that they made the news in several different areas because they literally, like, ejected people from the the Facebook group and the website and whatever. They took them off mailing lists and stuff if they expressed a racist opinion. And it was, it's just, Good. as long as people are drowning out J.K. Rowling, um, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Okay. We oh, that is all. Like oh, we don't wow. need to get it. We're there. gonna just literally. She's just digging her own <laughs> grave every day, a little bit more yeah. or a lot more, depending on the day. But she just can't stop talking, and it's terrible. I saw a tweet. I can't. Uh, I can't remember the name, but it was the tweet. Just said Harry Potter and the author who betrayed us, <laughs> and I was like. That's the yeah, one. Yeah, I, I read a really great article. I can't remember the name right now, but it's by a um, trans woman talking about how she felt seen by the Harry Potter books. And now it's so hard for her to have to deal with, you know, that their author doesn't agree with the message of her own books right. anymore. Come on. I mean, there's just so much. She just. <sighs> First of all. <laughs> We can't, guys. No, I know. I know. We're, We're so going to talk track. about Bad Batch. This is not a political podcast. I love Lindsay trying to steer us back. She's like, I just want to tell us about the Bad Batch. Yeah, I know. But it's just, first of all, I love Emma Watson and Daniel Radcliffe saying, don't listen to what the creator of these stories says. because right. And Eddie Redmayne. Everyone that's been involved on a different level loves you and appreciates you and supports you and thinks that trans women are women. Right. Every single one is like, don't listen to JK Rowling. We don't just ignore we don't it. Agree. <laughs> yeah, no one else agrees with her. Just, you know, and I appreciate that because it gives as someone who was a Harry Potter fan for m most of my life, it is nice to see that the other people in involved in some ways. It's it's not a pervasive culture right. with people involved with Harry Potter. The, I was going to say the the one Harry Potter tweet that I saw that was funny was Harry Potter and the rich asshole who ruined her own legacy because she couldn't stop posting. <laughs> <laughs> and that's very much how I feel about it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> so, in in conclusion, check out the Bill and Ted trailer. <laughs> <laughs> boy, oh boy, oh boy. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Spice. Lindsay, what's going on? Uh, today, we're probably maybe talking about the, <laughs> <laughs> the Bad Batch, um, if we ever get around to it. But the oh. plot synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> is that Arlen, one of thousands of Americans deemed unacceptable to society, is unceremoniously dumped into a hostile desert wasteland, fenced off from civilized society. While wandering in her desert exile, she is captured by a savage band of cannibals and quickly realizes she will have to fight for her very existence in this human-eat-human -human world, mm. which I did think it was hilarious. This is two laconic, dreamy cannibal movies in a row. Uh -huh. I, uh, I did also mention that when I was watching uh -huh. it to my boyfriend. I was like... Interesting. This is double cannibalism that we're dealing with right now. Twice mm -hmm. in a row. Yeah, and it's... 
it's not just cannibalism. It's like very image driven, not very dialogue yeah. heavy, sort of surreal cannibal movies mm-hmm. in a row. Other than that, they're hugely different, right. not similar at all. Most but just of the way through this movie, things. Jamie said, I could see this movie being on mute in the background of a party. And I was like, oh my God, that's what I said about the last yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> It was so funny yeah. to me. I laughed very hard. I had to pause the movie because I was laughing so hard because I was like, that is like word for word what I said about the Neon Demon. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> anyway. But this movie yes. was written and directed by Anne Lily Amanpour, whose directed credits include A Girl Who Walks Home Alone at Night, which is a movie I love. Yeah. Um, and episodes of Legion, Castle Rock, The Twilight Zone, and Briar Patch. Mm-hmm. And co-starring alongside Keanu is just a wild list of names. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of those movies where you keep going, this person is in yeah. <laughs> Um But Suki Waterhouse, uh, Jason Momoa, Jada Fink, Jim Carrey. <laughs> very <laughs> random choice. I mean, it works well, but yeah. Yolanda Ross and Giovanni Ribisi. It especially works with Jim Carrey, who Jim Carrey is today. Yeah. Like, it always yes, would have yes, been not good Jim, Jim Carrey at the Ace Ventura days. Exactly. No, like, today's, like, hippie, spacey painter Jim Carrey, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. So, on Rotten Tomatoes, I think this might be the most that I've ever disagreed with ratings of a movie outside of people giving it a really, really, really high score uh, uh-huh. that I thought was terrible. Like, um, I think Ellie Parker is maybe the last time that I disagreed this much with overall scores. We have a 47% mm. critical score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 31% audience score, which shocks me, and we'll talk more about that later. But. We have a critic quote from Angelica Jade Bastion, who says, A film with neither engaging emotional threads nor the kind of panache that makes such such cinematic mayhem worth it. As a a quick side note, Angelica Jade, follow her, read her work. A, A black writer for Vulture. She's written for Roger Ebert. I have tried a hundred times to get her on this show as a guest. <laughs> she wrote an article called The Grace of Keanu Reeves that is amazing. Check her stuff out. She's For sure. She's great, legitimately. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, Angelica Jade standing invitation if you... <laughs> right. If you're listening, at Angelica Jade on Twitter. Follow her there, too. All right, where was I? Oh, user quote on Rotten Tomatoes. Neat. Z, Nate Z, I feel like I didn't pronounce that strongly enough, gave it two and a half out of five stars and said, days after viewing The Bad Batch, I'm still contemplating what I just saw. That can be the sign of a good, thought-provoking movie, or it could be further proof that The Bad Batch is really an empty experience. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So who is going to start us off with their thoughts and feelings this week? (laughs) Um, uh, I, I can go, I think, maybe. Yeah. Because I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. I literally have no idea. So I want to lay my cards on the table and then maybe be proven right or wrong. I have no idea. <clears throat> All right. Let's hear it. I, I love a good desert wasteland story, right? 
Like that's <laughs> like a thing that we have had a lot of now where it's almost, you're like, oh, I know what to expect in a desert wasteland. You have Mad Max, Tank Girl. Uh, mm-hmm. There was that one with Patrick Swayze in the 80s that I can't remember. Um, what am I thinking here? The Book of Eli, right? Stuff like that. And a lot of Mm -hmm. the same themes emerge throughout each of them. Like, what is the currency of this crazy world, right? Mm -hmm. Are there cannibals? (laughs) It's like all these things are like, great. Here's Mm -hmm. There's usually cannibals. I got the tropes. (laughs) I I know exactly what to expect here. Insofar as this movie goes, I could say that it was pretty overwhelmingly meh for me. I Mm -hmm. really liked how it was shot. Like... We, mm-hmm. we, we literally just yes. discussed the how similar in kind of style it is to the Neon Demon. And that's very appealing to me. Like as someone who knows, like if you've ever seen me in person or just in a photo, you know that I would be dead if I was in the desert. Like I would burn. I would turn to dust. <laughs> it would mm-hmm. be over for me. So it's always interesting to see how people shoot in those conditions and how they would survive. And I I just like those stories. Nothing really happens in in this movie. Like, we don't know the impetus for why someone would be put in this uh, area where the the Bad Batch people go behind on the other side of the fence. Um, I don't really ever know what I mean, Keanu Reeves cult leader did give a list of reasons. Yeah, right. But but they they never get explicit with it. But yeah, that's true. That's true. Some and some of them are uh, pretty arbitrary, which is is interesting. It's an interesting parallel to kind of where we are politically right now also, Uh which was which was something you know there's a there's a giant wall in texas and if you don't want to be in this country (laughs) we put you on the other side of that wall i was like wow okay um for the most part no one talked like there's one literally mute character in this movie and for the rest of the people they i don't know what are their 10 words. Keanu talks the most in this movie. There's I think. no dialogue at all until way far into the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's like tw- it's like the 27, I think I took note of it. It was like the 27 minute mark or something before anybody says anything. Um, <laughs> it's a lot. Which is a long time in a movie. Um, but yeah, Keanu has two big speeches and I think in those two big speeches, he says as much or more than anybody else can, everybody else combined says in the film. <laughs> right. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, um, so for me, the pacing was very slow. I didn't, uh, again, it's like you're at this part of the desert. Now you're at this part of the desert. And then there's a scene where it's like five months have elapsed. It's like, okay, great. Five months have elapsed. The plot is, <laughs> it, it, there isn't one as far as it's the story of this girl, Arlen, but I don't really ever know what she wants, but she's, I, I like her as a character, but I'm not really ever sure. Like she's restless. She, you don't want to live with the cannibals. And I could see everything that is also wrong with comfort, mm-hmm. but I don't know what the other options are <laughs> behind this fence. So <laughs> I don't know. Character development. I, I, I don't have m- much to say about that. The originality of the story, I thought it was not 
you know, it was fine. Again, I would, any of those other Desert Wasteland movies, th- I think the closest one to me paralleled here is like The Book of Eli. And I like that movie a hell of a lot more than I like this movie for mm-hmm. a number of reasons. But like, if you're like, I need, it needs to have cannibalism and a questionable leadership structure. He's like, oh yeah, go watch, <laughs> go watch The Book of Eli. That's the, that's, that's the one. But so again, and then just going down our list here, technically everything about this movie looks and sounds fantastic. I love everything about that aspect mm-hmm. of it. So for me, it was watchable because technically all of these things were really, really working for me. Keanu in this movie is hilarious and, He's incredible. and very, and very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, this like the as as Chad has mentioned the the porn stash the just the slimy yeah. kind of personality that, like oh man it's like he makes your skin crawl just kind of looking at him. The thing that's most impressive is the slimy skin crawl, but also understanding how he got to where he is. That's the yeah. hardest line in anything yeah. to to portray, and he does it absolutely perfectly. Like. He's creepy. He's slimy. You get vibes before you know anything about why he's creepy or slimy. You're just like, ew, no thank you. But then also you're like, I get why people made them their leader. I get it. Yeah. And that's a hard, hard line to portray. And I am. He did a very good job in this. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And especially when you go that hard into the, with that character and his whole deal, you're, they're very strongly referencing a bunch of seventies cult leaders, right? Like even the porn stashes to be evocative of the Jim Jones, Marilyn Manson. Exactly. Not Marilyn Manson, Charlie Manson. Charlie Manson. Sorry, Marilyn Manson. I didn't mean to do that. Very different Mansons. Yeah. Very different Manson. Charlie Manson. Um, but very clearly referencing that and making him as far out as like far gone as those people they're referencing while still, like Whitney said, seeing how he got there and making him feel relatable is an incredible feat to pull it off. It also reminds me of um, Bad Times at the El Royale. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yes. Great movie. It's a, it is a great movie. It's a better movie than I thought it was going to be, even after Lindsay said you would like this movie. Um, but I thought, <laughs> I mean, you, Lindsay, trust but verify is Whitney with my opinion. So. I was say, it's like, well, Lindsay said no, it would be I great. Believe, but. I believe it when Lindsay says I would like something because no one in the world knows me better than Lindsay. But I had heard so much negative or or just like the absence of anything positive when that movie came out that I was expecting it to be kind of a dud, even though Lindsay was like, you'll really like it. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, Lindsay was right. I really like this. Um, (laughs) But I think Chris Hemsworth also did an incredible job of that same thing. Yeah. If you've seen Bad Times at El Royale and you know what uh, what Chris Hemsworth did as far as being an amalgam of cult leaders that all have are handsome and have a bit of charm, but also are slimy and creepy. And if you're not fully indoctrinated yet, he would turn you off. Keanu Mm -hmm. does that perfectly. I can see why people would find him appealing and find comfort in him and why people would be attracted to him. But also from the second I'm not indoctrinated, the second I see him, I'm like, you no, thank you. This guy's a weirdo, but Yeah. You're like, oh, this 
harem that he has and they all wear matching t-shirts the chat mentioned that yeah the dream is in me i'm like mm-hmm. yeah yeah no well, those t-shirts was like oh that's, that was a very good oh. touch those t-shirts <laughs> it, yes. it's like we're, you're in the it, desert. It really, where did you get those it really got you there yeah yeah <laughs> did they ship to the side of the fence where did you get those from is that teaspring? okay and i will say this is part of my review of the pacing plot character development or whatever um I had too much time to think about that stuff because stuff like yes. where are they getting spaghetti? Where are they getting power? <laughs> like, I uh-huh. don't mind the movie not going into that, but it to me shows a lack of your ability to hold my focus with the story. If I have time to think about logistics, right? If this mm-hmm. movie was like an hour and 15 minutes long instead of a full yeah. fucking two hours, <laughs> you would not have had time. You would not have been distracted enough to be like, where did this DJ get his mixing equipment in this giant uh-huh. neon light up boombox? <laughs> there's stuff that you totally understand. How are they understand. making power to run that? Like, there's no <laughs> indication yeah. that they have any way to, you know, create power. And yet, yeah, the DJ with his moving DJ booth that can like roll through the streets. It's literally like <laughs> a parade float that looks like a giant yeah. boombox. And it's 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 completely lit up around all of the edges and details in neon. Yeah. And also it has huge speakers on it and can be a portable rave. And we're in a desert wasteland. And the second that you're like, hang on, people are scrounging for literally everything. Except where does this technology and and (laughs) equipment come from? I mean, the fact that the dream had spaghetti. Where the fuck are you getting spaghetti? All of the steps you would have to go through agriculturally to get to pasta on your own are not happening in this town. Yeah, it's not compatible with the desert, the the hard pan. They're just growing some tomatoes. Like, come on. (laughs) Well, pasta's not that hard to make. Not okay, but you need. We saw zero wheat, and there you need a lot of wheat. You cannot grow wheat in a desert without major irrigation, (laughs) and then you have to have some kind of milling facilities, Whitney. You need milling facilities. There's no indication that it's not like none of the rest of Mexico exists or South America. Like, just because you're out of the Texas border, it does not mean that you're not. You might be too far away and not a citizen, so you can't actually, like, get a job in Mexico. But they did show that they make oodles of drugs. They do. So there might be trading. They have literal candy dishes full of different kinds of designer pills, and they grow weed, and they have LSD. And I think that it's very likely that they are trading with people in South America for the goods and services that you would expect to see in something more like North America. They didn't go into that enough. I'm just saying it's Uh, possible, but it is a flaw in that every single one of us watching this movie thought, how did this happen? Where did they get this from? (laughs) Right. This is inconsistent with the rest of the world that she's set up. Like, even if you are the all-powerful cult leader who hoards all the wealth, it still doesn't make sense the kind of things that they had access to based on the rest of the world that she established. Although I did like the little thing that like the the cannibal people are also super into bodybuilding because like so they're jacked. the only ones with enough protein, protein. to do that. I thought that was incredible. I loved that. That is such a great joke that's like not even brought up at all. It's a totally visual joke of like they're all <laughs> like Venice Beach muscle builder. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, because they're the only ones with enough protein to get jacked. So that is. Um, Do you yeah. have more thoughts and feelings, Lindsay, or is it my turn? <laughs> I don't want to cut you off. Yeah, I mean, we kind of cut Andrew off. I think so. No, no, no. <laughs> Andrew, are you done? I was. I was the, my, the Keanu stuff was my final thing, and I just thought of one other thing. What a waste of Giovanni Ribisi in this film! Oh my God. Yes. It's a crime. They should have given him more to do. Uh, but I mean, hey. I feel I feel like that's true of everything other than um, Sneaky Pete. Which, uh, yes, accurate. Which, also very. By accurate. the way, if you are a fan of Giovanni Ribisi and you have not seen Sneaky Pete, change that immediately. It's on Amazon Prime. <laughs> change that because it is the first time that Giovanni Ribisi has ever gotten his due as an actor. Every other film he's ever been in, I feel like he's been in, underutilized. Yeah. Yeah. Checks out. Um, so I will say to go through quickly my thoughts and feelings about this pacing. I am with uh, both of you in that I think that I get what she was going for. And we just saw it done pretty well in Neon Demon, that sort of dreamy, you know, that really letting you sit in the shots. But it was still too much. This film needed editing. We had too much time to think about other things. Even if you're trying to evoke a dreaminess, this film was too long. Um, so you needed to cut some of that. Some of her wandering around the desert on drugs or whatever was we didn't need that much of it. Um, <laughs> plot. There's really very little plot here. And I kept seeing it referenced when I was looking it up as like a love story. That is stretching it pretty Ooh. far. I mean, there is, yes, elements kind of to that, but it's not really about the guy. It's about her not liking either of the two obvious choices. So, yeah. um, yes and no. I agree with that and I don't agree with that. I'll address it when you're done, though. Okay. I mean, there is some connection happening between them, but I still think calling it a love story is really pushing it because it is mostly about Arlen trying to figure I out mean, her life. If you had to say in four words what this movie was, it's a love story is not what I would say at all. Like <laughs> recent yeah. post-apocalyptic dystopia is the four words that I would use. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, as for character development, I think they did pretty well. I mean, I definitely think you get a feel for Arlen, even though she says very little. Everybody says very little except for Keanu. I do think uh, the dream is incredible um, as I a think character, the and you get is a lot off the of hook in this movie. Even Giovanni Ribisi, who's underutilized, Jason Momoa, who is a beautiful man, but not <laughs> an actor who I'm like, oh my god, I need to see that because he's such a good actor. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. I think he had a lot of depth and substance to him. I think acting wise, the director got a lot out of people. I just think the yeah. film ran on for an hour too long. Well, the fact that you're 27 minutes into it before anybody says anything and you're following fine. I mean, part of that's because yes. it's not a complicated story, but also they she conveys a lot with just her actors responding to things and stuff. So um, like uh, the character development is, I think, way better than the plot. Um, I think without the character development, the lack of plot here would be even more kind of apparent. Yeah. Um, originality of the story, it does feel very like in the genre of desert apocalypse survival, you know, movies. Uh, I don't think that there was necessarily anything super new to that, except maybe just 
literally trying to find yourself in the midst of that, like not survive, but like figure out who you are in like a classic buildings Roman kind of coming of age story way. (laughs) (laughs) But in the middle of like a desert, uh, lawless wasteland. Um, but everything technical about this movie is beautiful. Uh, visually the cinematography is stunning. The costume design tells a lot with a little, um, the set design, same. Uh, it's really, uh, is like high-waisted Cuban zoot suit (laughs) pants. He has multiple different kinds. Of that pant, but it's like a high waisted, like a V in the back. It's very 40s gangster, like zoot suit. It's clearly very Cuban, and I think it's one of the best things that the costume designer did. There's a lot of great costume design in this, but the way that they hinted at him being Cuban and having a sort of carefree, poetic life before everything happened. Really mm-hmm. told a lot more about the character than even Jason Momoa did, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and her shorts. She has two pairs of shorts because obviously this is not an environment in which you can change clothes a lot or have an extensive mm-hmm. wardrobe. She has two pairs of shorts and they both speak volumes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. About her and like where she is in her life and stuff. So the, the costume design is incredible. Um, everything uh, technically worked for me, except I think the editing needed to be. I think it needed to be more stringently applied. (laughs) (laughs) Right. More editing, please. More editing. (laughs) Um, And I, as we kind of talked about earlier, did think Keanu's performance was like totally knocked it out of the park in this one. Yeah. All right, Whitney. Is it my turn? I think so. It's your turn. So I've tried to play it cool. I would like both of you to weigh in on whether or not you thought I liked or did not like this movie. (laughs) I think Um, you liked it. Yeah. If I had to, if I had to guess, I would say maybe you are more, maybe you, you liked it more than me. Certainly. And I I think Lindsay and I might be at the same level. I think I I liked liked it more more than, than everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think so too, because I'm I'm medium on this movie. Again, no one again no one knows me better than Lindsay knows me. Uh, it's one <laughs> of the things of being sisters who are born a year apart. Like, yeah, yeah. there's, there's only a few ways you can go with that. Yeah, um, yeah. I thought this movie. Now, again, I do think this movie was about an hour too long for a two-hour movie. Like, I'm saying, cut out <laughs> half of it. <laughs> For sure. 100%. I do not disagree. I think that it went on too long and I think it allowed you to ask too many questions of the rules and realities of this world. But I think that, yes. I'll also just say, I'm I'm almost certain you said the exact same thing about the Neon Demon last last time also. Where Probably. That was also like the two and a half I liked this more than the Neon Demon. I would watch this again before I'd watch the Neon Demon. Because I think I've complained so much about stories with nothing to say. And to some extent, this story has nothing to say. Anyone who's like, there's no plot, you can literally sum up the plot in a couple of sentences. Everyone who's deemed not American enough, whether it's because they're not smart enough or they tried to kill themselves or they're a prostitute or they're an illegal immigrant, 
instead of putting them in jail or instead of other recriminations, they literally just eject them into the desert and maybe you'll survive and maybe you won't. But I think that where so many stories that we've seen I get angry about because there's no story, I very much identify with the fact that once you've gotten past survival, what is important to you? When you know you're never going to have luxury, you are going to be scrounging and starving and hot and not have enough water for the rest of your life. So survival will always be top priority. But when you are constantly always in survival mode, what's the next thing you have to worry about? I think that's a very interesting and pertinent question. I think Hmm. possibly I would not have liked this movie four months ago, but as somebody who has been going through kind of a hard time and not (laughs) a lot of money and feeling like they're just getting through and surviving on a regular basis, to me, I think there was a big impact on me of... She doesn't know what she wants, and she doesn't know what's important. She's potentially never had family. We don't know. We don't get that backstory. Mm -hmm. She's potentially never had work. She doesn't have art. We know that because she's so moved by the art of Jason Momoa, and she's like, how can a person who eats people be this sensitive artist who sees all this beauty in the world? She doesn't have any ambition because she knows she's going to do barely more than survive. I mean, you got the impression she didn't have ambition on the outside either. Yeah, you do get that impression. She has suicide tattooed on her arm. She's mm-hmm. got a hat that's embroidered with hands that are doing like fuck the like you. flipping you off and then pointing yeah. at you, pointing at, which yeah. I thought was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. um, you know that she was like got her heart broken the first time when she was uh, 13 or no, when she was 16. Her first tattoo was when she was 13. All stuff that speaks to like a lack of solid foundation or future focus. And so your choices are join the cannibals, go to the cannibals and get eaten, or live a life of nothingness in comfort. And how do you find who you are and what you want when there is nothing to aspire to? And I think that they told that story very, very well. This is not an Ellie Parker. This is not a generation um where I'm sitting here and my big problem is there's no reason to tell this story. I think with the amount of struggle that people are going through in day-to-day life in the last couple of years, but specifically the last few months, mm-hmm. I think it's super relevant to say if art doesn't motivate you, if sex doesn't motivate you, if food do- is not an option to motivate you because you're barely getting by... What do you live for? And I think that while I agree it's not a super super overt love story, I think that Jason Momoa caring more about his child than anything and anyone and fighting so hard and being so emotional and making art about his child is something that this person immediately latches onto is like, this is important. This is more important than Mm -hmm. anything that's going on in the cannibal camp or in comfort. This person caring about someone else so much, yes, is more important than anything that I know right now. And I think that they did have good chemistry, so I do think that there was some romantic tension from the beginning between the leads. But I think more so than anything else, the idea of someone who cares as passionately about his kid is someone who is worthy of being passionate about. And this is more life and and 
interest and care than I've ever seen from anybody, maybe ever. And so while I think there shouldn't be 27 minutes at the beginning before a single person says a single word, (laughs) I think that all of this was shown very well without a lot of dialogue. I think, again, that's mostly due to the actors doing a good job. I don't know that I would ideally cast Jason Momoa in it, because I think you could play someone who has more depth to him. But then I also Mm -hmm. think that you have a problem because all of your cannibals are jacked bodybuilders. Um, (laughs) Right. You really limited somebody who was a jacked bodybuilder to fit in there. I think this back and forth of do I go with the status quo? And it's not even about being comfortable because if you're not going to be one of the concubines of Keanu Reeves' charismatic leader stuff, you're not going to be comfortable. You're just going to get by. Yeah. So it's not even about comfort. It's about I can live an empty existence where I don't care about anything and just keep surviving. Or I can go to the cannibal camp and possibly die immediately. I don't really have any options other than those two things. How do I figure out who I am and what that is? And being drawn mm-hmm. to Jason Momoa, who gives such a, a immense amount of weight to his child, that that's the reason to live. I think all of that is done wordlessly, more or less, and very well. I just don't think there's any reason for it to be a two-hour movie. Yeah. I will say, Whitney, have you seen A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night? No, I have not. I've heard about it, but I haven't okay. seen it. I think you, if you get a chance, would like it because she's dealing with a lot of the same themes Mm -hmm. about like once you get past survival, what is there to life? Like, what is the point of existing Mm -hmm. Um, and stuff like that? But it is tighter than this movie, I think, you know, the editing and the story and stuff. And I do think that there's a lot of other stuff that they could have delved into. Like, for example, she by the time that she's going into the Keanu Reeves' concubine mansion, she knows what she's there to get, and she knows what she wants. I think there could have been a lot more of the, we have a swimming pool, we have ice cubes, we have, you know, like, all of the stuff that you could want in modern day, like, luxury, and not just surviving day to day in the desert, if you're willing to give up your body to somebody else. I think they could have gone more into that, and had it be a little bit more... Not important, but a little bit more, like, story-driven. I feel like you could get more forward momentum out of playing more into that. I think if you showed her, how did she make the money that she had for noodles and rabbits? We don't know. We didn't see. How did she get her her leg? We don't know. I feel like if you went a little bit more into some of the other options and finding them all empty, whether they're positive or negative, job opportunities i think you know we see a stripper in the background who's not even stripping she's wearing one of those um lady (laughs) in a bikini print t-shirts which was so (laughs) funny to me no there were some real solid visual jokes in this movie there were like absolutely um but i think that if you cut 45 minutes out of this movie and took half of the silent panning the desert beautiful shots and whatever and turned it into her trying to search for meaning it would be 1,000% more watchable and impactful. Mm. Um, But I think in the end, the question of 
how do I find meaning in this? And then not being able to find meaning in it, but finding meaning in somebody else who has a meaning is, I think, a really interesting story and does speak to the human condition and is, there's a reason to tell that story. We may not on day-to-day circumstances be as in dire conditions as she is in this desert and potentially being eaten by cannibals. But, like, that same question when just existing is the norm and not finding pleasure and stuff and not finding... I think it's a really interesting metaphor that I would like to see more of and is a reason to tell a story. I just don't think it was told optimally because... People didn't like it. Audience didn't like it. Critics didn't like it. In the chat, people couldn't make it through this movie. Like, people turned it (laughs) off. (laughs) Yeah. There is a bit of gore right up top. There is some gore. Uh, Like, all of the cannibalism, cutting, sawing off arms and whatever is in the first part of the movie. So, it does turn people off in that regard. I will say that was also in the technical impressive stuff. That shot where Jason Momoa butchers the whole girl. Yes. Very well done. Like, props to the prop master on that one, because that is like, (laughs) whatever you did there worked. It looked very realistic. But I just think that the core of the story is, speaks to me very strongly. And because everything else is so technically well executed, I don't think it's a great movie, but I did like this movie quite a bit, because that, that overall core question of what do you do besides just survive is something that I find very compelling. We have a little bit to go to get there, but I am so curious where this is going to go on your list. I don't Mm. even know where it's going to go on my list. I specifically (laughs) have not looked on my list for like what it's above and below for a reason, because I kind of want to do it live because I don't know where it falls. But I think of the of the movies that are scored under 50% on Rotten Tomatoes of all of the Keanu movies, this is the one that I like the most. That is, uh, that says something. Yeah. Yeah. I could, yeah. Get, we could use the big data machine to verify all that. But I think, yeah, given uh, what we have, I think that sounds about right. So. Yeah. Very cool. Very surprising. I knew it was going to be surprising to people. When the, when the credits were rolling, I was like, I am going to be the wild card in this one because <laughs> I don't know of a single person, including Lindsay, who would be like, I think I tipped my hand a little bit as we were leading up to it. But if I just said, Lindsay, do you think I like this movie? Yes or no? I don't think she would err towards yes. Because hmm. I don't hmm. like slow I- movies. You don't like slow movies. And that was the thing that I thought that I thought would there are aspects of this movie that I definitely thought you would like. Um, And I but I thought it might be too slow for you. So I wouldn't have for sure come down on the side of you liked it because of the pacing. But But there's a lot of elements of this I knew that you would like. I'm going to blow some people's minds. And there are people who hated (laughs) this movie who are going to be upset with me. Cough, Zoe. Cough, Jody. <laughs> hey, we got the review that says when when they disagree, they like it even more. So, mm-hmm. and you've gave some valid reasons. So, why not? Yeah. Well, there's a couple listeners of historical hotties whose favorite episodes are when Whitney and I fight. They don't like when we're super in agreement. <laughs> That's not all, right. all of our listeners, but there's a couple who really like it when we disagree about something. Mm-hmm. So they do. They conflict. like the sibling rivalry. 
Yeah. Check that checks out. That checks out. All right. This was this has been great so far. Do we have any other thoughts on the bad batch? I uh, don't live in an airplane fuselage in the desert. It would get unlivably hot in there. You would literally <laughs> be baked alive. Yes, you would literally, it would be like being locked in a car with the windows shot down. You could not live in a f- plane fuselage in the middle of the desert. And also, where did they get, like, four planes? I That's mean, it, just, I'm done. They just trashed <laughs> Also, trash where did all there. the gasoline come from? Yeah, and at least they mm. show them bartering and trading that like it's a scarce resource, but still. Yeah. It's true. But still, I feel like scavenging through waste dumps and, you know, potentially if they are on the border of Mexico, get... Going in and stealing lawn furniture. I think if anybody was was trading significantly with anybody on the outside, there would be less people living here. If you could get to other people that you could trade with, I think there'd be lots more people, whether they are legal in Mexico or not, trying to get out of the cannibal desert. I'm just saying. No, just I think that there's a certain element of in this very near future dystopia that we're in. My guess is there's a fence just like it on the Mexico side. Mm. Just anybody yeah. can be tossed When they're in like, here, huh? you are no longer a United States citizen as soon as you leave this property. You walk beyond this fence. You're not an American. My guess is that Mexico does exactly what we've done to Mexico for years and years and <laughs> right. years and says, like, ah, we don't want all uh-uh. of these people coming in here looking for opportunities. <laughs> yeah. That was my yeah. guess, was just that, like, you are in this demilitarized zone between countries that's kind of an oasis of being able to be a non-citizen, but also it's a desert that will kill you. So in that way, not an oasis at all. The opposite of an oasis. <laughs> no. Right. Um, a murder oasis. Um. Also, I'm slightly suspicious of what is happening to Keanu Reeves' kids. Because if, I mean... Because they're all pregnant, but you don't see any kids. There's only Jason Momoa's kid is the only kid you Ooh, see the whole time. That's so, interesting. I definitely had some dark thoughts about what they are doing with the kids. So I don't want to uh, think about that. My, no. my, my assumption... Okay, I won't talk about it. We don't need to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're eating them. If that okay. makes a difference. Well, when we... What, I would, no, I was thinking I think more along the lines of what them. do they have that would be tradable with the outside is more of what I was thinking oh, than they're eating them. selling them into slavery as child. Interesting. That I went for just like grooming more concubines because that seemed to be exactly I mean, that's what a classic was doing with Jason move. Momoa's kid. Yeah. 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 And that's a like, classic cult leader move. As soon as she has her first period, Keanu Reeves is there. Marries her. Yeah. Yeah. That I'm was my guess. both of you real quick. Mm-hmm. Given that, given the choice between the two groups, assuming the cannibals would need you, where do you see yourself? In comfort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or maybe hanging out with Jim Carrey. <laughs> I was gonna say I could see me going more of a hermit route if those yeah. are my two options. Just a wanderer of the desert with a shopping cart full of random supplies. Yeah, I'm not a big raver, so I think I'd rather go insane with my own company than really either of the two options presented in this movie. Interesting. All right. I hate yeah, that's... exercise and working out. <laughs> <laughs> Eating so, people she's cool reason. with. I mean, but yeah, weightlifting, like, she's... Uh... I can't get down with 
murder, but I can get down with eating human flesh. Yeah. Yeah. This is a big thing for me, too. I have never understood the reason why people are so freaked out by cannibalism. Murder is freaky and keeping people alive and hacking off limb by limb. Totally legitimate to get freaked out about. But cannibalism that does not involve murdering or torturing the person is all kind of like... I mean, I'm I, not going to go do it, but I don't understand so the level to which people are freaked weird, out by it. Moral, <laughs> ethnocentric. <laughs> I'm 100% with you. There's so many weird, moral, ethnocentric, um, like, hang-ups about what is okay and what is not okay to eat with meat. And sure, mm-hmm. yeah. people meat is not any different than any other meat. Like, you're... you're no. It's all a living being that is no longer living. <laughs> right. Like, obviously, oh. I understand from a cultural perspective why it's a taboo, because it's not very culturally sustainable to eat your citizens. But. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I'm, we don't populate the world by eating ourselves. Right. So, but the, once I'm dead, the only thing I think that's remarkable about my body is that I'm currently animating it. When that stops happening, there's nothing special about my body. It's yes. just organic mm. material. So you might as well eat it. But yeah, don't I'm murder not, me for it. But don't make otherwise, that, I don't want to be chained up as you saw my limbs off so that you can eat me and keep me alive as long as possible. I'm not into that. And I would not, I don't think I could stomach doing that to somebody else. So I would definitely, but mostly the bodybuilding thing. I'm not into exercise or fitness. Sure. So do not put me in the bodybuilder camp, regardless of what they eat. But also I couldn't murder someone for their meat. But I would eat someone's meat were they to just die in front of me. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) Just noting all What about you, Andrew? Where 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 are you living? I'd probably be in comfort, you know? That's, that's just see myself. I'd probably be Giovanni Ribisi, to be honest with you, just playing with yeah. puzzles and shit all day. I don't know. Just <laughs> if, What did I... I forgot to remember something, and that'll be the thing that drives me insane. What did I forget to remember? And just walk around. So, Jody, pretty pretty funny. She, uh, she says, I leave for 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, that is a serious 10 minutes if you left it and, and went uh-huh. away and then came back to us talking about being okay eating people. Yeah, revisit the for context because we didn't we didn't just wander here. It, you know, no, it was, we didn't, and I don't want to eat was people. I would like to state that for the record, I'm not looking <laughs> for people to eat. But if I were to like lose my arm in an accident, I would ask if they could keep it, and I would try the meat. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. That's huh. All right. Maybe I'll, what if you're delicious, you know? Then I'm what? sure then I am it. delicious. <laughs> I don't like fitness or bodybuilding. I'm like veal. Oh. <laughs> she likes massages. It's Kobe I eat a lot of exactly. Oh I God. eat a lot of butter and I get a lot of massages and I'm sure I'm delicious. <laughs> I've been marinating I'm, my whole life. Exactly. You'd be hard pressed <laughs> to find someone who tastes better than me. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Unless she was fed only on chestnuts. That's the only way to improve on Whitney's natural flavor. I don't know. I oh eat chestnuts sometimes. So like eh, <laughs> seasonally, maybe it's better to eat me in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm just saying, if any of you wanted to eat me and I lose a limb in an accident, come over for dinner because we're going to do this thing. Lindsay, this is this sounds like one of Hannibal's parties. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, get, I know. I mean, I will say there are some chefs. There's some chefs who's done some work that we would basically taste like a mix of pork and veal. Right. Uh, humans would. Uh, so. Yes, okay. please. You know, it's delicious. Yeah. Pork and veal. Mm-hmm. And there's Whitney right there in the middle of the two. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's Whitney and all of her delicious glory. You'd never eat a better steak. I can guarantee it. <laughs> God, I miss doing this show. Oh, my God. <laughs> we take one week off and we immediately just fall into it. 20 minutes of politics and 20 minutes of cannibalism. <laughs> cannibalism. This is- this is literally why we can't stop when we get to the end of Keanu's thing. Because I'd be like, where do I put these thoughts? Where do I <laughs> <Yeah>. put them? <laughs> where is it safe to have these conversations? <laughs> right. Okay, I think it's finally time, an hour and a half yeah. into this podcast, <laughs> to play the interstellar favorite. Oh my gosh. Let's, uh, let's knock on the void and, and see if Charles answers. He might have given up on us. Pop quiz, asshole. There was a time when I had the need to learn from you. Oh, what the hell do you know? Lose! I don't lose! I win! She's got a lot to learn about sportsmanship. Pop Quiz Asshole is our very own quiz show where the host asks each of us three questions. If one of us gets it wrong, the other has a chance to steal. If they get it wrong, the other person has a chance to steal, assuming they remember the remaining answer. I will not. I can tell you that right now. (laughs) Part of the reason why I've admitted to an interest in cannibalism and also talked about I I hate people who don't like to touch meat more than I hate murderers is because I made a giant gin and tonic, only instead of tonic, I put wine in it. <laughs> so I'm drinking a huge glass of wine how with does, gin and elderflower liqueur in it. that work? Oh, guys, Good that Lord. is very 2020. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I ran out of tonic, so... I was like, no tonic, well. but I do have half a bottle of Pinot Grigio. Perfect. <laughs> it's actually... Yes. So good. <laughs> I mean, I can see it. When All you right. said Pinot Grigio and you've got elderflower and gin going, yeah. Oh, and some yeah, smashed rosemary. <laughs> A little smashed rosemary in there. It's delightful. All right. But I will not remember any answers. So, Charles, <laughs> are you there? We didn't even let Charles say hello. Hello. Charles. Charles. <laughs> I am here and I am ready. Good. Good. At least okay. someone We need is. you to bring focus to us tonight, I Charles. I gotta be honest. I can't stop. I'm literally crying. I'm crying over here. I gotta I be honest stop. to all of you. Don't cry. <laughs> the last hour and 20 minutes of this podcast oh is like God. living me- with me for the last two weeks. <laughs> I either say nothing or I'm like falling apart in a super vehement hot mess kind of way. This is just me right now because of the world and the way it is. And I make no apologies because I'm still a delight. You are. That's I, I, The <laughs> tears are of laughter. I can't get my shit right. together. So thank you. Yes. That I'm just saying correct. I'm a lot. You are a delight. <laughs> I love it. Charles, do your thing. Get us, get us home. <laughs> Let's get rolling on Pop Quiz Asshole. Put the wheels on this train.
<laughs> I will. Oh, Here we go. Starting off with Lindsay. After dropping off Arlen at the beginning of the movie, one of the guards says it's hotter than the devil's what out here. Is it A, A-hole, B, B-hole, or C, C-hole? Uh, B, B-hole? That is incorrect. <laughs> Steel? Andrew. A-hole? That is correct. I don't even know what a C-hole would be, but I'm sure the devil doesn't have one. Yeah. I don't either. I made it up for the play. <laughs> oh, my God. Moving on to question number two and Whitney. Yes. Though set outside of Texas, in which state was filming primarily done? Ooh. Was it A, New Mexico, B, Texas anyway, or C, <laughs> California? C, California. That is correct. Yeah, nice. I've been to some of the places where this was shot. I kept being like, it they're looked, in the Mojave it Desert. very Mojave Desert to me, yes. Interesting. That's cool. Yeah, it did not look like Texas. I've been to that desert, too. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to Andrew. I'm ready. About how long into the movie do we get before Arlen says a discernible word? Oh. Is it oh. 15 minutes? 20 minutes or 25 minutes. I'm going to I'm going to steal, steal? Uh, Lindsay's uh, <laughs> I was going to say I, wait uh, me uh, Lindsay already said it. Uh 20, 25? I'm going to cheat off her homework. Incorrect. What? Oh, oh, steal. Whitney. 20 minutes. It was 20 minutes and 26 seconds. All cheating <laughs> off Lindsay's homework. <laughs> I must have missed the first word she said, or but yeah, when I wrote it down. That was fun. Back up to the top of the order with Lindsay. How many days did filming take? 28, 34, or 19? Ooh. Uh, C19. That is incorrect. Steel. Andrew. 28. That is correct. Random guess. Yes. <laughs> Numbers are terrible. It's also the only one. I forgot the middle one. So Now for an I imaginary point the that one. does not count. <laughs> Never mind about that. I was going to ask if you remembered it. <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> Moving on to Whitney. Mm-hmm. After getting dropped off in the desert, Arlen finds a car and sits inside of it, and she takes a photo out of her wallet. That photo is of her and a boy. What number does he have on his shirt? Oh, damn. Is it 10, 40, or 70? 40? That is incorrect. Steel? Lindsay. 10? That is correct. Nicely done. I needed to get on the board somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? There is a photo? No. <laughs> we never got that explained ever. 
Well, I definitely did not think it was it was uh, Arlen and a boyfriend. I definitely thought it was Arlen and a girlfriend. So that oh. threw me off. Moving on to Andrew. When Miami man and Arlen are in the desert together, we see a scene where she's leaned up on a rock that has a date of birth and a date of death on it. <laughs> Under that, what does it say? A, R.I.P. Bad Batch. B, R.I.P. Boom Boom. Or C, R.I.P. Big Boy. Uh, for some reason, I want to go with Big Boy on this one. R.I.P. Big Boy. That is incorrect. Steal, Whitney, steal. Steal. (laughs) Hotly contested. I heard Whitney first. Boom, boom. That is correct. Nice. Ah. <laughs> I remember I right that too. one. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for the final round of regulation questions, we're back up to the top of the order with Lindsay. In comfort, we see a stop sign that has changed in what way from a regular stop sign? A. It's painted green. B. It has a question mark. Or C. It says go. Uh, C, it says go. That is correct. Nice. I don't even remember seeing a stop sign of any kind, so kudos. I liked it. It was one of the many visual gags in this movie that I thought was great. (laughs) There's a lot of good visual (laughs) gags. There you go. There you go. Moving on to Whitney. Mm Mm-hmm. Why are we here? Just what are we doing in the middle of the goddamn desert? (laughs) A. Dreaming. B. Living. Or C. Surviving. Surviving? That is incorrect. Steal. Lindsay. Dreaming. Dreaming is correct. Nicely done. All right. For the final question of regulation, pop quiz asshole, Andrew. Let's do it. Jim Carrey's character's got money to burn. How much do we see him throw into the fire when he's building a fire for Miami Man? Damn it. A, $10, B, $11, or C, $12. I feel like there were... Two movements, so I'm going to say $11. That is correct. Yes! <laughs> that was... I he was mesmerizing. I have gotten that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, congratulations, because that was <laughs> way beyond me. Thank you. Moving on to our bonus round. Okay, And it is very exciting because the score is currently three to three to three. (laughs) Oh, no. What? No way. That's incredible. As always, I will pose the question and you can buzz in at any time. Okay, here we go. Let's hear everybody's buzz in starting with Lindsay. Ding, ding, ding. And Whitney. Me. And Andrew. Perfect. Bonus round question number one. What is Miami Man's bad batch number? (gasps) Me. Whitney. 88. 
That is correct. Oh, you got in I'm there a, early. I'm a genius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's that mm-hmm. wine and gin combination that's working for you. <laughs> it's that no. wine and gin oeuvre that gets you going. <laughs> No, guys, I'm smart. I'm just a smart guy (laughs) is all. (laughs) And so humble. Mm -hmm. That's true. Bonus round, question number two. Arlen's winky face shorts are also an iconic piece of clothing from a member of what band whose song can be heard also in this movie? Huh. Is it A, Ace of Base, B, Dark Side, or C, D, Antwoord? Uh, ding, ding, ding. Andrew. <laughs> Dark Side? That is incorrect. God damn it. Uh, Lindsay, ding, ding, ding. Ace of Base? That is incorrect. Oh, uh, me. Whitney. D, Antwoord. That is correct. Oh, Woo-hoo! I remembered something. <laughs> I remembered something. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Congratulations uh-huh. on remembering. Thank you, Charles. <laughs> For the final question. All right. Of Pop Quiz Asshole. What Pac-Man item did Arlen have tattooed on her when she was 13 years old? Me. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> I heard Andrew first. The cherries. That is correct. Yeah. Do you guys know that the ghosts have names in Pac-Man? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I only yeah. remember th- the three that rhyme. I don't remember the last one. Clyde. Yeah, Clyde. What? I love that it's Cl- Inky, Blinky, and Clyde. <laughs> I was going to say, I yeah. thought it was Winky, Blinky, and something. and I could, But it's Inky, Blinky, yeah. and Clyde. And I know this because I'm making gelato flavors after them next month because it's classic arcade games is my theme. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I have never desired corporeal existence more than right now. Can we talk about how this afternoon, instead of dealing with any of the real world stuff I didn't want to deal with, I made Uh a mango coconut peanut butter sorbet that is out of this world. If it's out of this world, it might be in my void, which makes me happy. <laughs> you gotta take a look for it, Charles. I was just about to ta- tell Charles I'd work on some non-corporeal uh, gelato for him, but yeah. That's Thank right. you. There you go. You would now. not think that the combo of pineapple, or not pineapple, mango, coconut, and peanut butter works, except for it does, it's like sweet Thai food. It's so good. For bonus points. How many points are the cherries worth in Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man? Oh my god. Oh, fuck me. I have no idea. <laughs> Andrew. 200? That is incorrect. Damn it. Me? Whitney. 150. That is incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> um, ding, ding, ding. Lindsay. 100. That is correct. (laughs) Man, there's a lot of numbers out there. It's hard to guess a number. (laughs) It's tough. It's tough. This will bring our 
pop quiz asshole to a conclusion. All right. And it was hotly contested. <laughs> but in the end, the winner, based solely off of remembering what the third option was, <laughs> it's Whitney Nelson. Excellent! <laughs> it's the key, the key to pop quiz asshole. Yeah, I would like to thank Jin. I would like to thank Wine. And I would like to thank Wine mixed with Jin instead of a normal mixer like a regular human being would do. It's the key to my success. Absolutely. Okay. That does sound both delicious and quite impactful. (laughs) (laughs) Impactful is a good word for it. Yeah. I I now feel like I'm being known as the cool breeze, like drunken lout, which I don't like (laughs) because I definitely have like a cocktail tipsiness reputation. However, I don't think I regret any of it, so there's not much I can do. <laughs> right. I mean, we can go with drunken philosopher instead of drunken lout. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm a drunken master, like Jackie Chan. Yes. Well, then you would have to fight people with martial arts. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. I just watched Drunken Master like a couple of weeks ago, and I don't remember any of the poses, but it was like... Monkey opening keg and stuff like that. <laughs> yes. I can learn those. If I can win pop quiz <laughs> asshole while tipsy. The sky is the limit. Who knows what I can achieve? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. There is no limit to what you can achieve. Exactly. Thank you, Charles. Now let's do pop quiz audience. Let's do pop quiz audience. Thank you for that fantastic segue. <laughs> I'm here for you, Charles. From last week, we had, well, last episode, we had three questions. Question number one, when asked, do you want to go out again by Jesse? What is Dean's response? The correct answer was, yeah, that'd be cool. No one got this right. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) All right. For question number two, when Dean pays off Hank for the damages, how much does he pay him? The correct answer was $140. And that was correctly gotten by Helen Moon. Good job, Woo, Helen. Helen. The third question was the neon set of triangles that Jesse hallucinates several times is the same pattern, though upside down, as a recurring MacGuffin in what video game series? The correct answer, Andrew, I think if I let you say this, you will be very happy. So please, what is the answer? The Triforce. <laughs> the question was what video game series? Oh, that is incorrect. The Legend of Zelda. It was the Triforce. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, sometimes. <laughs> Did I, no one got that? And no no, one we all got it. We just, didn't, say. we just didn't all say Triforce instead of the video game that it's from. It's true. It's all about true. listening. You know, you listen but with no yeah. one tweeted to me at the Nolan on Twitter <laughs> with the correct answer. Got it. Oh, guys, Got I'm it. not even a like a video game person. And I know that that's the Triforce. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be fair, Lindsay may not be a video game person, but she did play Ocarina of Time about 45 times start to finish. <laughs> yeah. 
Fair. I Fair. kind of am a video game person because I live in a <laughs> void. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Checks out. Anyway, this this week's pop quiz audience. All right. We have three more questions. As always, you can tweet to me at the Nolan, T-H-E-N-O-W-L-I-N, or tweet with the hashtag popquizaudience to get called out on the next episode, like Helen Moon did. Question number one. What are the last two words on the official warning outside the border? Question number two. What's the disgusting name of the soda Jason Momoa drinks the first time we see him? (laughs) I remember that. And question number three. What's the name of the food stand that sells noodles in comfort? Oh, okay. (laughs) Tweet to me and get your points next episode. Nice. Dig it. Well, Charles, as always, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for bearing with our shenanigans. It's Thank you been for all a you do. Shenaniganful mm-hmm. episode. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Shenanerific. I enjoy the shenanigans quite a bit. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> enjoy returning to the. Vo- I don't know if you enjoy returning to the void, but you know, safe travels. I will return I- to the void and dream of sorbets and gelatos. <laughs> 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 Maybe look for one or two. If I will try. <laughs> I will find nothing because nothing exists in a void. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Charles. Oh. Except a, a shower. <laughs> oh, my shower does. Yes. That is very true. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Have a great, Have a great night, night, Charles. Charles. <laughs> Goodbye. Um, I just want to say. Yeah. I did look at Facebook while Charles was reading the audience questions because I cannot participate in them. So mm. I immediately had to tune out because I have ADD. <laughs> <laughs> However, I have now tuned back in. And the, the, the only thing that I saw while I was on Facebook is the headline, Cat falls madly in love with a little cardboard cutout of Danny DeVito. And A, it's adorable that a cat would fall in love with a cardboard cut out of Danny DeVito, but it did make me think that he's an interesting person to add to our roster of people to watch their movie genres. Uh, I think Danny DeVito might be an interesting one because he's kind of all over the place as a character actor. That is kind of interesting. A l- yeah. little bit of everything, too. Some comedy, exactly. some drama. Yeah. We have a hard time when we're talking about people like... Meryl Streep, like all of Meryl Streep's movies kind of are more or less 90% of them in the same vein. Um, When we're looking for people who have a variety of stuff for the next like segment of Cool Breeze, whatever we call Mm -hmm. it when we're not (laughs) talking about Keanu anymore. Um, We've been looking for people who have like a wide like a wide span of what kind of movies they do and what they specialize in. And so someone like a Brad Pitt, we're probably not going to get a lot of different movies, mm-hmm. but Tom someone Cruise, like a Danny DeVito, yeah. we'd be all over the place. Anyway, just something that I saw. And I think it's cute that a cat is in love with Danny DeVito's cutout. 
But also, that's yeah. an interesting that's also contender. That's some hardcore Facebook shit I mean, right there. That's yeah. all my Facebook is. <laughs> I, I have weeded out everything political or any really intellectual. All I get is stuff like cats and Danny DeVito. That's excellent curation. Uh, I think you guys should uh, call it, when you move on, Cool Breeze Chapter 2, The Tilda Swinton Files, or whoever you pick. I just get uh, the name. <laughs> cool I do know that, that Lindsay is lobbying very hard for Tilda Swinton well, in this podcast, as in all things in life. Hey. Kind of as, as a constant. As one should. As a constant resting state, Lindsay is vetoing other people in favor of Tilda Swinton. Although, actually, I mean, I love her and would love to hear you guys talk about her for hours and occasionally talk about her with you. Um, I do think she has too many movies that are similar. She does pop up, interestingly, in different movies, but, like, most of the her starring the movies are all in a kind of, like, artsy Orlando vein, you know? So I don't think she would give you <laughs> yeah. the widest berth, although I do think it would be very interesting to talk about. Um, it wouldn't give you some of the real just, like, crazy range that, like, Keanu has given you, so. It's shockingly difficult to find his equal in this regard, so I think yeah. we, we set the bar high going into this whole uh, <laughs> we format. Did, uh, we it set were. it maybe a little too high, <laughs> as we have all had issues coming up with something as good as following Keanu Reeves' movie career. Yeah, it's something else. I am pretty stoked on what I think we're going to end up going with, though. It's... Again, no yeah. no spoilies. I can't. But... Mad's about you. Not Mad's about you! <laughs> <laughs> we're not doing Mads Mikkelsen! Yeah. I love Mads Mikkelsen, but you yeah, would get a lot of subtitled Dutch movies and, you know, stuff from the <laughs> Netherlands. And... He didn't start acting until he was like past his gymnastics career, so it's not the thing. It's a short film. Natalie Portman movies. We can knock it out in three in two months. That's true. (laughs) Natalie Portman and uh, Christopher Walken are the ones that I have put forth to you guys, besides Tilda Swinton, because Mm -hmm. they have that super wide range of movies they'd be. I think Christopher Walken even more so than Natalie Portman. But yes, I think those are both interesting attributes like interesting people to add to the list who knows if we get enough support from people on continuing maybe we'll Mm -hmm. do more than one other person's filmography but all right you all have to be very (laughs) vocal about your interest in that for that to happen i think yeah melissa chanka in the chats uh suggested she said ed norton who is ed norton's a good one yeah, Ed Norton and Colin Farrell, who's I, I believe is a very polarizing character. I cannot vouch character. for Colin Farrell as the next person <laughs> we do a podcast. Like about. I said, very polarizing. Cannot. You also for get that. a large, a large amount of dramas with both those choices. Yeah, That's we true. ideally we would love someone who f- falls into a really wide, weird range of movies, like Keanu does. <laughs> anyway, we put this it's off tough. long enough. Andrew, tell us the, like, four sentences that tell the story of The Bad Batch. <laughs> it's super easy. It's actually surprising. Oh, no, you know, it's, I just have a small font. That's what it is. So this should be, or a large font, rather. So it's fine. Are we ready to just bang through this real quickly here? Let's do it. This is from Wikipedia. I didn't bother to write my own notes. They, this is just fine. It starts off, just one word, Texas. <laughs> but not really, as we've learned. California. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. 
A young woman named Arlen is dropped inside a locked, fenced-in desert where people deemed undesirable by society, a.k.a. the Bad Batch, are forced to fend for themselves in, you know, just this wasteland, this fenced-off wasteland. A sign when you enter declares you are considered, you are no longer considered a citizen of the United States, and uh, good luck. <laughs> Arlen is almost... Uh, she walks for a bit, but is almost immediately kidnapped by two women in a golf cart, knocked unconscious. When she awakens, she is chained up, and a woman cuts off her right arm and leg. Arlen later tricks the woman into unchaining her, kills her, observes casual cannibalism. Kudos to <laughs> of, Arlen, by the way, because if by this point you've cut off my arm and my leg, I'm yeah. done. I've given Your up. spirit is I broken. I am not fighting back. <laughs> my spirit yeah. is broken, and she... Not only had enough spirit to try and find a way out, but literally beat someone to death on her way out. Right. She was like, I'm not having revenge is That's a, all is I have a to say. dish. Yeah, I got it. Mm -hmm. uh, she escapes on a skateboard, which is really, really cool and unexpected. <laughs> she wheels herself out on a skateboard on her back. She is rescued in the desert by a mute hermit played by an unrecognizable Jim Carrey. I did not know it was him until probably the third or fourth time we encounter him. I was looking, I was like, oh, oh, damn. I did not was, know until the end, until the credits. I had no idea it was Jim Carrey. When he I was, didn't know until he posed for the picture. That's with, exactly from what Miami I knew, Bay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, the, 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 a little that's bit of funny. Jim came out. That's a good time like, to know, yeah. Yeah, for that scene. Uh, the hermit takes her to a settlement called Comfort, which... It kind of, you know, as we've described, resembles like a, a rave. There's a DJ. There's a big ass boombox there. It's it's nothing special. It's but not it's like a, a rave. Village. It's like a a super divey desert, no frills, poor people town that has raves regularly to yeah. keep the population sedated. Right. Essentially, let loose here. Let loose. Like, a yeah. we're gonna throw the a great party of and the you're gonna get super here high. Is literally an opiate. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. But also, it's you're going to be too tired recovering from all the drugs you did to be able to do anything like leave or, you know, foment insurrection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Against the guy with the ice cubes and the swimming yeah. pool. <laughs> and the sweet, sweet mustache. <laughs> uh, we get a title card that says five months later. Um, Arlen is healed up. Uh, we see she has a prosthetic leg. It's nothing to replace the arm, but. Looks, uh, you know, it's it's fine. It's pretty. I actually, I really, we didn't mention it, but the the kind of special effects they did for the arm look good. They often shot around it. It did to, look good. They yeah, they did a good job they, of of making the prosthetic leg fit to her real leg, but still look mm -hmm. prosthetic. They did a good job of the like arm being missing after a certain point, and I don't know how much was green screen and how much was literally just good cinematography and editing yeah but it did they did yeah. a good job with it yeah uh so arlen heads out into the desert with her pistol which is something we see that she does from time to time where we just are led to believe we don't know where she is, got it from yeah that's all she does she just goes out i mean it looked desert. like she was hunting birds yeah like getting maybe food or something like that uh she sees a golf cart similar to the one that the cannibals uh captured her with and then finds a woman and a little girl scavenging in a garbage dump where they were looking for plates or something like that. Accusing the woman of being part of the cannibal community, Arlen shoots her in the head. And then she takes the little girl back to comfort 
and this is all observed from a distance by the hermit. Miami Man, played by Jason Momoa, is the is a Cuban leader he even of the cannibals. Has a tattoo that says Miami Man. <laughs> Miami Man. That's how far right they leaned the into this Miami Man thing. Is he's literally got a Miami Man tattoo. So he goes by no name that we know of other than Miami sure. Man. It's perfect though. But he's listed in the script and in the credits as Miami Man. That's his name in the. <laughs> that's who. You, that's who he is here as number eighty-eight. Um. He's the leader, maybe one of the leaders of the cannibals, but he's also the father of the girl. So he goes looking for her. He finds the dead woman that Arlen shot, and then he just then he happens upon the hermit. The hermit, as we discussed, in exchange for a hand sketched portrait, it's established that Jason Momoa is a great artist. He did this portrait of his daughter. He's like, "Have you seen this girl?" The hermit says, "Hey, do a sketch." Mimes, he pantomimes, sketch me. And after he gets his sketch, he advises the Miami man to find comfort, which is a theme we've seen and a sign, a literal sign that we've seen throughout the desert in this film. Back in comfort, Arlen and the little girl are there. There's a, one of these rave party situations happening, and Arlen takes, was this LSD, I'm guessing, right? The little tab on the top? I mean, that's, that's what it looked like. Definitely what they led you to believe. Sure. From, uh, like, the straightest, edge, nerdiest, like, narc there ever was, it looked like LSD to me. <laughs> nice. All right. Cool. Um, so she takes some of this because, the, as, as Whitney has said many times, they have these parties. The dream hands out free drugs to everybody. They dance. They party. You know, they wake up probably hungover and disoriented. And they're like, ah, maybe we'll revolt later or tomorrow, whatever. So. She loses track of the kid, and we find out that uh, she is taken in by the dream, Keanu Reeves. That's what he calls himself, the dream. Hallucinating, Arlen wanders back out into the desert where Miami Man finds her. Upon threat of death, he demands that she helps him find his daughter in comfort. Arlen and Miami Man grow closer on their journey to comfort, with Arlen beginning to look longingly at him about that wikipedia but okay uh he kills <laughs> he kills another cannibal who was looking to trade gasoline for arlen he says the leg but it was very clearly like i want her well the leg um, is the most amount of meat she has left and you could still keep her alive yeah that's true that's true um so they have a little bit of like, they end up like camping there. He chops that guy's arm off after he kills him. They eat him around a fire. It's like a very, I guess, romantic thing. Maybe. I don't know. He talks a little bit about his backstory from, from Cuba. She gets the drop on him, right? But then, uh, right as it seems like she's coming around to his way. Now, I don't know if either of you saw Game of Thrones. Um, Jason Momoa also in Game of Thrones the the uh, an, uh, an almost exact same thing happened in this movie that happened in Game of Thrones, where someone is holding a blade to him, and he basically just walks right into it. It happened in Game of Thrones. It happened in this. I was like, "What the hell?" It's weird. It's just a weird. It's it's his go to move. <laughs> right. He's like, "Go ahead, stab me. I'm too strong. Look at all these muscles. There's you so much muscle, you won't hit anything vital." <laughs> <laughs> right. That's gotta be it. That's all I could think of. There's so hundred percent USDA grade beef. <laughs> <laughs> Such true beef bus. You can say um, a lot about Jason Momoa, but uh -huh. that he is not prime beef is not mm. one of those things. 
Right. <laughs> Such a weird. Put way that to man that, in a taco because his beef is shredded. Is what you're saying? <laughs> I mean, yes. Oh, agree. <laughs> Essentially, <laughs> if you were to sum up in so many words, uh, you're not wrong. Mm-hmm. I will never see Aquaman. You couldn't pay me to see Aquaman, and I love superhero movies. I didn't. I did not. And uh, I will not. That is that is a good life choice. One that I unfortunately However, did not make. <laughs> that man is a tasty morsel and there's no getting around it. Yeah. He's in other stuff. You can watch him in anything. He's more muscle bound than I normally like, to be honest. I'm I'm yeah. I'm more into the soft boy aesthetic than I am the muscle bound <laughs> thing. But I mean uh-huh. He's very symmetrical, but I've heard too many stories of him being an absolute jerk on set to find him attractive. Oh. It just ruins him for me. Yeah. That's a bummer. Aquaman, why you do this? (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Uh, She gets the drop on him. He doesn't care. He gets shot by a random patrol from Comfort, and that patrol takes Arlen back. So he's left for dead in the desert. She searches for the daughter because she saw the picture that he drew of her um, to no avail. She does, however, eventually discover that she's the, the little girl is living with the dream in his mansion along with his large harem of pregnant young women. It's very disturbing. I don't like it. I did not like it. Arlen then visits the dream who explains that Comfort's economy is run on the drugs made by his concubines, presumably, and anyone else who works for him. And that comfort is is free of feces because of the plumbing he provides. And as as Lindsay said, it's a very long speech about that. It was a a very long speech of thank (laughs) me for not wallowing in your own shit every day. Yeah, pig stand in their (laughs) shit, cow stand in their shit. You are not a hamburger. No, because I I could not stand in my own shit if you were not around also. (laughs) Right. I would find a way. Uh, it's, it's a There's, a lot, there. of There's a lot of desert out there. There's a lot of desert. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Um, Arlen agrees to join, uh, to become a concubine, but then uses a pistol that she stashed inside her prosthetic leg, which was such a good hiding spot that I would not even think of, like under a shoe, under a sock, up inside the ankle of this yep. of this prosthetic leg. Yeah. Like, when, that was a good when moment. She, when she took off the shoe, I went... Ha ha! Very loud because I was like, "That's such a good hiding place." Yeah, I, no I'm not going to do think. it now because I would like break the microphone and the speakers and whatever if I did it as loud as I did it then. I did it very loud. I'm sure the neighbors heard me say "Ha ha" because I said it so loud when she took the gun, uh-huh. out and they of thought her you foot. just solved a mystery or something. <laughs> All right, she did it. <laughs> she solved world hunger. I think the. She pulls this gun. She gets the drop on one of the concubines, who I guess is... We've seen her the most uh, of all of them. So I don't know if she's special or something, but, you know, she's like, look... Or she had a it, SAG card. Right, yeah. <laughs> she does. She's the girl from uh, uh, Glass and Split, those two movies. She's, she's great. Um, Wait. So... Is Never that, mind. Am, am I Not wrong important. Yeah. Not important. Okay. I yeah. was trying to figure out what Split was versus what Splice was because one of those two movies <laughs> is in the realm of Knock Knock and Ellie Parker and Generation Um is one of the worst movies yeah. I've ever seen and the other one is not. 
Yes, that's true. I love how often Ellie Parker comes up on this podcast. <laughs> I will never get I over it. I will go it. to the grave talking about Ellie Parker. <laughs> in, the, in the negative. Whoever we talk about next in this podcast, I will be bringing up Ellie Parker. Okay, I'm into it. We trade. Here's what we trade. We have this concubine gun to her belly, right? She says to, Arlen says to, to the dream, give me the girl. When we're outside the gates in our golf cart, I'll let the concubine go so we could be on our way. That all happens. They eventually reunite out in the desert with Miami man who had been found <laughs> Melissa and healed says by the hermit. kings again for no reason, really. <laughs> Child of Miami, <laughs> Miami man, you reunite. It's beautiful. He, you know, he's, he's a gentle giant. There's this, a whole uh, thing with Jason soft Momoa. rabbits. Soft rabbits, yeah. yeah. Can I say I did find it weird that the kid cries at her rabbit, but not at her mom being shot in the head right in yeah, front of her? Yeah, that's something, right? That is something. Well, we don't know that it's her mom. I have some doubts that it's her mom. Some, uh, yeah. It's possible. They were definitely she... giving family unit vibes. With yes. Them, you know. Like, do they live together? Probably. Do they, does like Jason Momoa shack up with this person? Probably. Is she her kid? I don't know. They did not ever explicitly say, and she, the way that she talked to the kid assumed sort of like, I have responsibility for you, but not necessarily attachment to you. And also that kid is lighter than Jason Momoa. And I don't know how a black woman and Jason Momoa make a lighter kid. (laughs) Right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Arlen implies she would rather stay with him in the desert than live in comfort. Miami man tries to discourage this idea, says she's unable to survive out in the harsh desert, uh, but does not send her away. The daughter asks for spaghetti (laughs) as she had started to grow accustomed to good things, as we all do. A room full of teddy bears and a swimming pool and ice and spaghetti. Yeah. And I mean, the only time she gets excited is when she sees her dad, but she clearly wasn't hating the spaghetti teddy bear situation. No, not at all. She knew a good thing, but she, did. I mean, she, she didn't know what was to come. And she started asking for it. And instead of getting spaghetti, when she was like, I'm hungry, give me spaghetti. Mm-hmm. Miami man takes the, the rabbit. and He takes the rabbit. The, her, mm. the rabbit who's been her pet that she dreamed about so much, he painted a picture of her with a rabbit. And then she got a rabbit, and then it's with her for the rest of the movie, and he kills it with his bare hands. And cooks it. And that's what they have for dinner. And all three of them do not want to be eating this rabbit that was her love. She's crying. The little girl, because she's eating her pet rabbit, who she loved so much and wanted for so long. The, the, the final line here is <laughs> Miami man rubs his teary daughter's back, and then he and Arlen look into each other's eyes, smiling. That's not More really what happened. <laughs> That's not really what happened. But there was a <laughs> there was a moment of like acknowledgement between yeah, the two that's of what them. It is. There was definitely mm-hmm. a we might be able to manage on our own without either two settlements that are bad for us. Yeah, sort of a, a an eye conversation. There was not smiling. There was not like kissing. We're we're like in love now. Nobody's super happy, but there's just like a an agreement. Right. Yes. We could do this, maybe. We could do this. That's it. That is the Bad Batch. Um, you know, 
based on what our, our, you know, based on what some people have told me, I thought I was, I was going to really just not like this movie at all. And it was mostly, you know, I'm fine. It's fine. I really thought I was going to hate it. And then all of a sudden I'm like the most vocal uh, person in favor of this movie. And I did not expect that at all. All right. Well, that's a great segue. Do you ultimately recommend this film? <laughs> I don't think like, I do. I hate to yeah. pull an Evan here and what? talk effusively about it. But it's your number one film. I understand. It is definitely not my number no, no. one film. But yeah, no recommend. I don't think I recommend it because I do think it's too slow. I think for the amount of story told, it's literally 50% too long. I think this should be like an hour and 10 movie, not two hours. It's, it is no surprise to me at all that any single person turned this movie off right away because nothing happens in it. There's no story. I think the question that they pose and the reason that they're telling this story, like the, the psychological story behind it is interesting and worthwhile, but every other thing about it, I think, I don't want to make anyone sit through a two hour movie where 45 minutes of stuff happen. Yeah, that's true. So, no, I don't recommend it, but I did like it quite a bit. <laughs> All right. Lindsay, what do you got? Yeah, I probably wouldn't recommend it unless there's some kind of very specific post-apocalyptic wasteland water world Mad Max conversation going on <laughs> with people. And I knew okay. that this had some Tank Girl vibes. That's part of the reason that I thought you might be leading towards liking it. Um, yeah. And actually, this movie reminded me a lot of Waterworld, except that it was all sand instead of water. But there's a lot of moments <laughs> that are very similar to Waterworld in this for uh -huh. me. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, so I I wouldn't, generally speaking, recommend this. It'd have to be some kind of discussion of, of post-apocalyptic desert survival movies where I would bring this up. Even though there was some stuff in it I really liked, but I just didn't think this was... Uh, yeah, it's a movie that is too long and too slow, and I wouldn't watch it again, probably. So Yeah, that all checks out. Uh, I'm also not going to recommend this movie. Um, for Here's what I would say. I really liked Keanu in this movie, so if you mm -hmm. could find like a YouTube clip of just him acting, just to mm -hmm. kind of get a vibe mm -hmm. for what he is capable of, just watch that. Or like fast mm -hmm. forward to whatever, an hour 15 in, when you see him for the first time, and you got it. It's great. Uh, and as both of you have said, if you dig this genre, uh, of like post-apocalypse, right? Mad Max. So I would, you oh, know, Mel Gibson any is Mad Max, whatever. But yeah. Mad Max Fury, Fury Road, Road is the for one. Sure. A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. You want to talk about tight storytelling. Oh, Fury God. Road is, oh, and also fairly nonverbal, but like the planting and payoff in Fury so Road good. is amazing. Well, and it's the like action sublime. is so much more amped up. It's like, it's yeah. very similar to this in a lot of ways, but also it's better. Oh, <laughs> it's by so far better. better. It's, it's a thousand <laughs> times better, but also it's yeah. about a different fundamental thing. One is yeah. about fighting for life. And the other one is like, I fought for life enough to know that I can survive. And now what do I do? And I don't think enough dystopia and post-apocalyptic stuff deals with that question of like, now I have a day-to-day -day grind of existing. The Walking Dead did yeah. that a little bit, but they also couldn't do it enough because you, it's a TV show and a comic book. You have to have constant mm -hmm. drama to keep the story going. 
Um, I think that this movie did a very interesting thing that I've been looking for in all of my dystopian post-apocalyptic stuff of saying, now you know you're not going to die today for the most part. What do you do? Yeah. What's your next, What's next? You figured out you figured out surviving. Now what are you surviving for? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would go um Lindsay's suggestion of Waterworld also very good. I did not even make that connection but because of yeah, cuz I was thinking water sand. Um but definitely Mad Max any of them depending on your feelings about Mel Gibson. Fury Road is the best fight me. Um, oh, it's so the best. Uh, yeah, fight me too. I'll uh, be on your side yeah. of that Let battle. Let me know <laughs> if anyone fights you over Fury Road being the best, because I will fight uh-huh. them, because okay. they're wrong. Perfect. Fury Road it. is one of the best movies of the 20th century. It's it's solid filmmaking. Yeah. And it doesn't have Mel Gibson. Bonus. <laughs> yes, that's a, that's a huge pro, not a con. Um... The other thing I would recommend, as I said, is The Book of Eli. I, I love that movie. This gave me vibes of it. I'm planning on rewatching it very soon. And then the one that I couldn't remember, but I had to look it up across the way, uh, along the way during the show here, it's cheesy as shit. And it's a, it, it could be v- just very much a guilty pleasure of mine because I saw it when I was too young. It was called uh, Steel Dawn. 1987, Patrick Swayze. So, what? Ooh, I've never seen that, that movie. Yeah, Even if it's terrible, I think I'm going to like it. You're probably going to like it. It's 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 something spe- it's special to me. So, <laughs> but check it out if you can find it. So, all right, great. That's good. No one recommends. That's a, yet another in this uh, season of no recommends. Where? Oh, where does this go in your <laughs> Keanu ranking? Oh my goodness. Number eighteen. Interesting. Number 18. Between the lake house and Henry's crime. Okay. Yeah, for me, this goes between, in my substantially shorter list, Ellie Parker and Knock Knock. And I think it's substantially better than Knock Knock, but that's just the only thing underneath Ellie Parker (laughs) right now. So, (laughs) Oh, my gosh. All right. Or not Ellie Parker, I'm sorry, the Vinny Lies of uh, Pippa Lee. Pippa Lee, uh, got Vinny it. Vinny just said you. Ellie Parker so many times. <laughs> you, know, you actually have the day the earth stood still under the private lives of Pippa Lee. Oh, do I? Yeah, okay. Then, eh. So between the private yeah. lives of Pippa Lee, the day the earth stood still, and knock, knock, where does this fall between those yeah, three? Yeah, it goes, it goes between, it's still right under the private lives of Pippa Lee and just before the day the earth stood still. Interesting. Because I didn't enjoy it so much overall as I did, but the but there weren't the high notes in uh, the day the air stood still that there were in this movie for me. Like some of the visual gags and how good a bunch of the production design was. So you know, well, it, it was, might have some regardless bits. of whether or not you liked it. This was technically a very well made movie. Yeah. So, yeah, The Day the Earth Stood Still, the remake, not the original, didn't have the high points of enjoyment for me, so this goes above that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, speaking of The Day the Earth Stood Still, I'm going to put it right under that for me, which would be at spot 33. So, Oh, hurry, wow, uh, that's so far down. I know, but <laughs> I I'm feel, like... I feel weird about liking it as much <laughs> as I did. I got to be honest, when the whole chat was like, I couldn't finish this movie. I turned it off 20 minutes in. 
the audience and critic reviews on Rotten Tomatoes were so low, I was like, ooh, I feel bad for liking this movie as much as I did. But I just really genuinely think that the question that the movie asked is a question worth answering and not enough people have asked it. Mm-hmm. Sure. And when you Listen, combine yeah. that with technical skill, this puts it so much higher than a lot of the movies that we've seen yeah, with this no. Keanu podcast. Dick to your guns. People like what they like. Dracula is my number three. So Yeah. Evan somehow has the watcher above much ado about nothing. What Whatever. <gasps> well, uh, we gotta have Evan on just to justify himself again. <laughs> He'll be back. We'll Evan's list is screwy as hell, and he needs to answer <laughs> for that. <laughs> All right. Perhaps a little bit of time and and uh hindsight will have will straighten the his watcher. Ass out. Generally considered the movie that almost ended Keanu Reeves' career is at number nine. It's in his top ten. <laughs> well above. Dear Evan, other, other come films. back on the show and you know make excuses for yourself. I'm going to clip that part. I'll send it out. I'll send it out to him. All right. Logged. I recommends all the ratings. All good. We're done. Let's talk next week. It's a very exciting time for our show. We have our season three reckoning. So, <laughs> which I'm pretty desperately in need of. I got to be honest. <laughs> right. I I don't know. I mean, I'm I have an I have a couple ideas of things that are going to shift around. But uh, for the most part, I feel pretty happy about the top ten. It's just the stuff that comes after that might shift a little bit. I don't think my own private Idaho should be in my top ten. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing right now that's standing out to me is my top 10 currently is John Wick, The Matrix, Speed, Much Ado, Much Ado About Nothing, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, solid top five, that's not going anywhere. Then Constantine, yeah. Man of Tai Chi, excellent movies. Parenthood, maybe. I liked <gasps> Parenthood quite a bit, but I think that uh-huh. might be... Get the I don't know, we'll see. <laughs> it's a great movie, I enjoyed it quite a bit. But I don't know if it holds up to some of them. Keanu, I definitely think, is in my top ten because it was very funny. Yeah. And then My Own Private Idaho. I don't think My Own Private Idaho should be there. Yeah. What's Point Break doing down at number 12? Well, Point Break will never be in my top ten. And I apologize (laughs) to everyone listening (laughs) and everyone who cares about Point Break. I I get it. tomorrow doing at 13? I understand. I am a Fast and Furious fan and they're the same movie and i get it i just honestly literally if it weren't for that heroin hideout gruesome shootout it would be so much higher on my list like so 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 much higher i just think that that shootout was so off the mark of everything else that i wanted to see out of it okay okay i get that but gary Busey though I mean, Gary Busey, I don't like Gary Busey very much. (laughs) I don't either. This is maybe (laughs) the most I've ever liked him in this movie with his two meatball sandwiches and his (laughs) off the wall, whatever. But like, even still, it'll never be my top 10. I think 12 is as high as it's going to go, and it may even go lower once we do the reckoning. All right. So stay tuned. We're going to we're going to rock through that. Um. I'm going to put this out for the audience, too. 
to get them involved because I have, you know, I always have the big data machine. We go through like the mean and median and average of like what our what the percentages were in terms of critics and audience, and we do all those things, episode lengths and stuff like that. But uh, take a minute, think about. Like the best film that we've watched this season, the worst in your opinion, and maybe the most overlooked, because I think Whitney and I uh, have answers for all three of those questions. But I would love to hear from some of the audience about uh, it, especially the overlooked one. I think that would be very cool to hear about. I also don't want to give too much away. But coming up very soon, you may want to bone up on your knowledge of Keanu Reeves and his movies in general. Oh, oh, oh. that's good. We have plans and they're exciting plans and they're plans that involve everybody. (laughs) Everybody. Everyone in the world. Yeah. (laughs) Potentially. Potentially. If if they'll all come, yes. (laughs) If we can get everyone in the world to be there. Hell yeah, it's on. All of them. <laughs> Traditionally, also, the reckoning is just Whitney and I because we're, you know, Evan fell off and he stopped watching. But I don't know, maybe we'll have guests. I don't know. Usually podcasts with like more than three people are an absolute like shit show of interruptions. So I don't know if we can form an orderly queue. But I mean, know. honestly, we can't even really form an orderly queue when it's just me and Andrew. So. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that checks out. That checks out. But honestly, none of you are here for us to stay on topic. <laughs> no, I mean, at this point, you're here. You know, we've we've you're here we because brought you we're on board. charming and a delight. Yeah, that's it. That's what it is. <laughs> it is what it this, is. This. <laughs> I'm looking real quick. This might be our longest episode ever. I think it might be our longest episode ever. <laughs> you say, if you are looking for concision, I don't know why you're here. That right, is not- don't do that. <laughs> Good God, yeah. Constantine was 206. Devil's yeah. Advocate was 204. We're at, according to my watch. 220? 220. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. Let's anyway, wrap this up. stay tuned because we want to get everyone involved in something coming up. We also have The Reckoning coming up. There's a lot of things, and we may not stay on topic, but we will be fun to listen to. That's it. Next week. Oh, boy. Reckoning. Be there. Be square. And then it's the next season. And you know what's in the next season? (gasps) A lot of stuff. Toy Story 4. No. (laughs) Yeah, no. Toy Story Story 4 is a good movie. I'm saying that right now. John Wick 2. Uh huh. John Wick 3. Uh huh. uh Always Be My Maybe. Destination Wedding, which Uh, literally everyone in the chat, almost every movie we've talked about and had a chat, has said, I have to watch Destination Wedding. There's a lot of stuff in the next season coming up. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. And we'll get to it all. I do have to say, I think John Wick 3 is the weakest of the John Wick movies so far. It's still very enjoyable. <gasps> Whoa! <coughs> Whoa! You surprised me so much, I just coughed. <laughs> I don't... Uh, all right. We're going to have to... I still think Lindsay it's good. I just guest. don't think... Yeah. <laughs> right. we'll oh, my God. I have to process that. My sister said that thing, and I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I've got even more emotionally to deal with than I did before we started recording this. So I guess it's time to call it a night. <laughs> Whitney, while you process, Lindsay, do you want to tell people where they can find you? On the internet? Absolutely. Um, I do a podcast with that lady over there called Historical Hotties. We talk about who are the hottest people in history. Do you know? If you don't, come listen to Historical Hotties and we will tell you. We have an episode about drummers coming out and my pick is just a stone cold fox. Um, Maybe one of the hottest people we've ever talked about on the show just as far as physical attractiveness. They are up there with like Zinkala Saw and Lindsay, don't say Zinkala Saw. No one knows who you're talking about. Okay, but if you Google her, she is a babe of the first order. So literally, she's one of the hottest people that's ever existed in history, and no one knows about her. She looks like a magazine model today, and she's from at the turn of the century. The turn of the century. Uh, also, she's world. a great essay writer uh, and very funny. All but, of this yeah, is beside the point. We're talking about drummers in the most recent episode. We're talking about drummers in the one coming up where I have, yes, a stone cold fox. So um should check that out. And also, if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, I am at Lindsay Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N on Twitter and Lindsay Cameron Nelson on Instagram. It is... 75% gelato, but it's good gelato. So, right. <laughs> very good gelato. I am at Whitney underscore Nelson, N E L S E N, on Twitter. And you can find any of the other things you're interested in on Twitter from Twitter. Go there if you like me. If you don't, that's cool too. I can't go imagine. fuck yourself, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh. yeah. I can't imagine I don't people mean making it, it to the 222 nice mark. Person. I'm <laughs> right. The live chat arguably, is still here. I'm arguably too nice. So please disregard that thing where I just said go fuck yourself. <laughs> That's just the combo of gin and wine. Talking. I was gonna say I was just gonna say blame it on the gin wine. <laughs> <laughs> A phrase never before said in the history of sentences. <laughs> Blame it on the gin wine. Blame it on the gin wine. (laughs) Oh my god. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Dark Driving. All the stuff I'm doing is there. Just go there. It's great. Uh, And that's it. That brings us to the end. At some point today, later today, tomorrow, you'll have a whole bunch of our episodes in your feed. I apologize for the, the backlog, but it's been a it's been a year, so yes. <laughs> just call it that. <laughs> Humanity is happening really hard right now, so you got to expect some disruption. It's tough. So uh, I'm going to press this button. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jeremy, gin and wine, try it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for joining us. <laughs> and in the words of Bill S. Preston and Ted Theodore Logan, be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. snatch of your theme song the other day and it sounded so wrong when not followed by Andrew Andrew going hello and welcome (laughs) where'd you hear it because it's so funny to me every time that it shows up anywhere 
apparently AEW used it, and I watch AEW wrestling, but like someone used it as what? intro re- intro music as they like Ooh. as the wrestler came out. That was a long time ago. Uh, but someone commented to me on Twitter and said, "Hey, I heard your theme music, and it was weird because it was a wrestler's <laughs> like walking out on stage music." I heard it on an episode of The Take, which is a YouTube channel that does like film analysis essays. Interesting. Yeah. Evan found that also on like a some like Rando's YouTube channel who like rebuilds cars. That's a very hmm. Evan YouTube channel to be going through. Oh, and Evan. He se- <laughs> and he sent it to me and he's like, listen to how wrong this sounds. And I'm like, Ooh, it does. It's weird. So. They, we shop at the same stock music site, apparently. Damn. Well, it's, a, it's a great theme song. It definitely gets the mood going for your show. So 